Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ, join us every Thursday as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. is a tasty burger today we're going to be talking about the 2022 film the menu this is a dark comedy thriller that is actually a criticism of the food and film industry what happens when the love of the art form can be turned into a passionless obsession now i gotta tell you guys this is gonna be so good i'm your host roger Thank you guys for joining me today. We're going to talk about this film. I'm going to give a in-depth movie analysis for you guys. It's going to be very exciting. You guys are going to enjoy this episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, this is the film, again, that came out several months ago. It's directed by Mark Maloyden. It's written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. Two, two writers on this project and of course it's going to be starring the great ralph fines anya taylor joy nicholas holt john luisiamo and others warning there's going to be spoilers all through this movie analysis spoiler alerts are in effect i tell you right off the back i didn't know what to expect i think i didn't even see the trailer if i'm if I if I could actually think about that, which is surprising because like I'm a trailer whore, like I love all the trailers that come out. So I'm actually surprised that I didn't see this one. But again, this is so good. The writing is very good writing. Of course, the suspense is there, the tone, the look of it. This has a lot of themes that we're going to get into themes such as the elite versus the service. Of course, foodie culture, which guilty as charged. I'm kind of a part of a little bit of that egotism the exclusivity and gluttony there's so many things in here that we can talk about what this touches on thank you for being here if you do me a big favor go to apple podcast spotify and give us a five star rating and please leave a very i'm going to say that ready ready i'm going to say leave a very appetizing review that's right. Oh, there's going to be a lot of dad puns, a lot of dad puns today. So just buckle up, kids, get ready for that. So, of course, let's go into the, the main course of the film. But first, take a look at the trailer. Is that going to fit everyone? Ah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? 12.50 a head, that's how. What, are we eating a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. Yes, we harvest, we ferment, we gel. We gel. We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is gonna be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. 
this menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get these? It's not good. This entire evening. Jesus Christ. This is just theater. It's stagecraft. We're leaving now. Has been painstakingly planned. This is real, isn't it? What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45 second head start. Okay, 45 seconds starts now. This is what you're paying for. Get out of my way. It's all part of the menu. It's okay. No, we're gonna die today. Yes, we are. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. You told them it was my birthday? Seemed funny about three hours ago. Now, the idea for this movie by one, again, this is a, a written by two different people. And one of the writers talked about how they had this idea when he went on like a little vacation with his wife and they were at this high end exclusive restaurant and a boat kind of dropped them off, just like in the movie in the island. And he was like, what if this turned really, really bad? And that's kind of where the whole uh, gist of the movie came about. Uh, this is very dark comedy horror film, as you can say. It's like a little bit of hybrid. But again, the acting, um, it's just top notch. Fines kills it as a celebrity chef. Uh, he's just so good in this film. I kind of want to start with the Bible verse from Jeremiah 9, 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. In this movie, you see themes of this. Like I talked about the elite, the exclusivity, where these people are paying a lot of money to go to the celebrity chef, Julian, and he is going to give them a meal they'll never forget. Can you say Instagram culture, taking pictures of stuff, saying, look where I got in, look at the exclusive club that I am in, just to say, hey, um, I got to eat here. Hey, I got to meet so-and-so. It's this kind of club that boasts of status, that boasts of power, that boasts of riches. And for all of this, we all know this is all folly. We know that that is not the way to live the good life, right? And we'll kind of talk about what is the good life. You know, Aristotle talks about what is the good nice, the good life, and it's to to be happiness, right? Happiness is the good life. That is the end, right? That's not the means. And we'll talk about a little bit of that moving on. But the movie, again, like I really liked it a lot. Um, I wasn't expecting a lot. I didn't know a lot about this. I heard, you know, it's getting nominations and stuff like that. And I sat down with little to nothing. And I really, really enjoyed this film. And if you want to watch this, you can guys watch this on HBO Max. But man, the food in this was so good. I love those movies like Chef or what was the one with Bradley, uh, Bradley Cooper. There's a bunch of different cooking movies. The way they shot the food, it's excellent. Like I love watching all of those different things. Like I love watching all of those those shows you know, the ones where they go and they cook food, Iron Chef or Cheap Eats or any of those are cooking network, food network, all those channels. I really like it. So the way they shot it, just look, it made me hungry, especially at the end. And we'll talk about that. But it really got me starving. And I was like, man, my stomach is growling trying to watch the movie. 
really good. But Nicholas Holt, man, he plays a great, a great jerk. I mean, he is plays the Quint and Sansil foodie, and he arrives to this exclusive island and his restaurant, the Hawthorne, uh, with a date, right? Played by Anya Taylor Joy. She comes up with the fake name, and he's just really snobby, really foodie. He knows everything about it. He's into the fresh ingredients. And the girl Margot is really, you can tell, is really not into this once they go in there. And then you see all these these archetypes of people, right? You see uh, the woman, the food critic. She's the food critic that picks apart, analyzes food until it's not fun. Almost like what I'm doing right now with this movie, uh, analyzing. You see the publishers. You see the guys, the the rich guys, right? That like they invested. There's a group of these guys, and they're the ones that uh, put money into it. So they're flaunting their money, they're flaunting their power. And then you have an older couple who are the regulars, and they're just the epitome of the elite. That kind of they don't even have any passion. They just want to spend their money. So why? How can I burn money? How can I just waste money? Oh, I know. I can pay thousands and thousands of dollars for one meal, multiple, multiple time. So this is also a satire. Very much plays off of that. The one percenters, um, the working class uh, versus uh, the other, the givers, the taker. Service interest, and I actually worked a little bit in the food industry, a few few jobs, you know. But I'm a huge guy uh, at loving food. I love to grill mainly outside. That's where my art is. I love when people feel good about eating. If you don't like stuff like that, you might uh, not be into this movie. You might think that, but no, I would say you're wrong. Even if you don't love food, and who doesn't love food, by the way? Like that's weird. Of course you like food. It's like saying you don't like pizza or something like that. You weirdos. But you are going to enjoy this because of the suspense. You have all these people like, why, why are these groups of people together, right? You have the foodie, the critic, all this stuff. And then you have the wash-up uh, actor played by John Luiziamo, who I, I thought he did an excellent job, you know, playing the, the actor who wants to do his own TV show, the show Man Fire Food. I like that one, too. Um, even Restaurant Impossible, any of those food. I love all of those, those, um, what beers and brews, uh, the, what's the one where he travels, the uh, strange food or, or strange where he goes around. Yeah, yeah. Iron Chef, of course, when they're cooking all those. So you have this guy who's so obsessed. He's taking pictures constantly. He's constantly kind of ignoring his date. He's constantly wanting to meet the chef he's obsessed with the chef he wants to live that life he wants to live in that culture and then of course you have the the three dudes the wall street or business kind of guys that are doing shady stuff and they just flaunt in the movie and i again i i really like the dialogue in this film um some people might think oh it's too on the nose they're two characters well again this is a satire this is a dark comedy and you'll see why towards the end, because I'm going to touch on this, but the chef, the main guy, Julian, these people are almost extensions of his inner psyche, all of them. And, and we'll see that later once we start talking about him, finds they're all in there for their selfish reasons. They're all in there for a purpose. And let's talk about Chef Slowick and this guy, Julian Slowick. He's a typical authoritative cult-like and in this whole area it's just one restaurant the movie pretty much takes place in just one and this guy's methodical he's very cold he's calculated and he's like pretty much 
a cult leader and you see all the chefs lower than him, all the cooks lower than him, they beckon at his every call. They all want his approval. They love him. And he does this clapping thing where when he wants to get his their attention, and I think it's really, really good. So what is it with this food thing? I don't know. It's like, you know how people idolize you know, athletes and musicians and painters and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those people are idiots. What they do, it doesn't matter. They play with inflatable balls and ukuleles and shit. Chefs, they play with the raw materials of life itself. And death itself. It's, I mean, I've watched every episode of Chef's Table two or three times. I've watched Slow 20 times. I've watched him explain the exact moment a green strawberry is perfectly unripe. I've watched him play a raw scallop during its last dying contraction. The muscle, it's art on the edge of the abyss, which is where God works, too. It's the same. That was beautifully put, Tyler. Stop, don't. No, I'm being no. serious. I think I'm um, starting to get it. And we see that in this scene that Nicholas Holt, he's the foodie guy, right? And this is kind of an extension of Julian and the chef because we find out that this guy had an abusive childhood that he elaborates on later. And so it comes from pain. It comes from this tough life. And also that he did have a passion and this passion got it kind of turned. And he was like that at, at one point wanting to know like what makes food good, uh, what kind of a season to use, what kind of salt, how do you, how do you cook it? Um, the intellectual side, the intricacies of that, that's kind of like the, his persona at one point. So that relates to this foodie character who's obsessed and like a, a fanboy. Um, just again, man, I'm not as I talking, I'm like, Oh man, I was like, man, I, there's a, if you take me to like a DC convention or something like that, I'll be probably fanboying over that too. So like, that's why I laugh, but yeah, so that was a really good scene, but we see how he has this authority and this power over not only his cult like people that, that work for him, but also Slovak has this power over people, the critics, um, the rich people, um, the washed up actor, the the foodie, all these people except Anya Taylor Joy's character. So that's interesting. Um, and again, he's so obsessed that he, he kind of doesn't even care about the other people. He's just so, so obsessed with the the chef. And she even says that you didn't ask his name. And I think that writing kind of shows like, hey, this guy is an obsessive fan that would do anything and doesn't even care about anyone else except the celebrity. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you. The curtain rises. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat. Is he serious? Taste. Savor. Relish. Consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. And look around you. Here we are, on this island, 
accept. Accept all of it. And forgive. And on that note, food. Slowick, again, is this guy who's this big egomaniac. And she, Margot, sees through it because she you could tell right after the way she's not one of them. And as they start going through the different course of meals, which, again, I really love uh, the way they did the uh, courses. They have different courses and the way they set it up, like, is really, really good. Like, I really enjoyed that part, too, because um, there's meaning, there's story behind it. And again, he's just like big celebrity chef and he's so methodical. The way they show that is by this storytelling, right? You have the the first course is called the island, which again looked really good. It's just like a scallop on one of the dishes, and it says you're eating the island. The second course was really funny. It was the breadless bread plate, and he gives a speech about how bread is for peasants. So he's actually making fun of the guests that are there. He's critiquing them because he has this build up anger, this animosity, this hate that turned this passion of him into obsession and it's loveless it's cold he no longer enjoys cooking for people they take or he feels like the victim that they take they took it away the critics uh the elites um the foodies they they took that passion that love away from him where he feels nothing now and so he's dig he's digging and making fun of them and i really love that um we see in the third course the chicken tacos with the scissors in it and it talks about this child abuse that happened uh him and his mother and his mother is actually there too she's like in a corner just drinking wine and he like stabbed his father with the scissors and the thigh so that's where it kind of gets that and then it brings us later to the fourth course which is which is the mess and that's where things really take a really quick turn quick turn to the worst um and you know what before we go through the the that course the fourth course of the mess i've talked to a few people that were in like that were chefs or high-end cooks uh actually in the podcast on one of them you guys want to check that out it's it's called buddhism uh christianity and buddhism we talked to a former top chef guy who owned multiple restaurants a really good guy he had turned he turned uh to to buddhism but when that interview we talked about that and it was so cool because he was talking about how how stressful it is to be a, a chef how stressful, how uh, perfectionism runs your life. You're never satisfied. How much um, heart problems you get, the stress, the, the bad life that you're living. You're just living an unhealthy lifestyle, mind, body, and soul. And of course, that's not every single chef, all right? I'm not saying a blanket statement like that. There's probably somebody listening right now cooking, you know, while they're listening to me, while they're cooking their their steak and their, their ribeye steak and their potatoes. And they're like, what? what? Not me. No, I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody, but this does touch on the reality. Uh, also talking to another friend who is a many, many, many years cook, excuse me, and he was a cook and he was talking about how he just saw the menu too. And that how, how true it was. Obviously they're, they're not, there's not chefs doing this exact thing, but he talked about like how true it was in how some people feel right. And, and chef Slowick. Julian, again, played perfectly by Fines. He gives this almost Hannibal Lecter-ish, actually reminiscence of, uh, he didn't really play like him, but it just reminded me of the kind of sinister, menacing, very menacing, this guy, um, of when he played in Red Dragon, he came out in that movie. So uh, he didn't play that character, of course, but like the whole menacing, how you felt 
intimidated, how the way he looks, um, the way he makes his sounds, the way he stands, the way he, all this stuff like that, brilliant acting, really, really great. And so I really enjoyed a lot of that, but you see this, this eagle dying in him and is blaming, I guess he's playing like a victim, like these guys did this. So now I'm going to turn this, this once love into obsession, which turns into a non-fulfillment kind of like you guys ruined me. You took the joy, you criticized, you critiqued, you obsessed, you fanboyed a part of the 1% of the one elites that really don't care about their food. Later on, the, the people that are regular, they don't even remember his food. It's meaningless. And this guy is obsessed with opinions. He's obsessed with being the absolute best. He is obsessed. He's relying on those opinions of others. And which brings me to something that Aristotle was talking about, how uh, the good life is to live in happiness, right? That's the end. And there's things that won't bring that. And he talks about, well, you got to find like, what is a human being to figure out what makes a happy life, what pursues real happiness, not fake pleasure and all this stuff, but we are rational social animals, right? So you have to look at it like that. We'd like to use our reason. We reason well. We're also made to be in community. So, and Aristotle talks about this is like, uh, fame can't make you happy. Honor can't make you happy. Um, power can't make you happy. And the reason honor can't make you fulfilled and happy is because that honor is relied on others opinion. And those opinions could be taken away. Think about a bad guy, a really bad person could get high honor. A really good person could get no honor. So that's not something to rely on. Uh, getting praise and honor is a is a a means. It's not the ends. So you have to remember that we're always aiming for something. Same thing with money. You want money to get somewhere, and it's ultimate. That well, what after that? You have to keep asking, and then what? And then what? And then what? The last, the end is happiness, right? And to be happiness is also it has to be complete in of itself. It has to be self efficient. It can't point to anything else like um, sexual uh, pleasure, money, honor, food, all this stuff. It all points to something higher, points outside of itself. So that cannot completely fill you. And I feel he obsessed over that and he worshiped the God of honor. And to counter this, I guess if I was his therapist or if I were to help him out, I would say that uh, to live truly happiness instead of relying on uh, the film, the the food critics, or the the foodies, or what people think of your food, or how many high end restaurants you get, or trying to be perfect perfectionism. How about rely on true happiness, which um, even Aquinas would talk about, obviously with God, right, with the eternal Father God, but with also doing virtuous activities with good friends. That's the key with God in the back. I mean, not background, but with God holding everything together with God in mind, but on earth, virtuous activities with good friends. That is the way to the good life. And food is not going to do it. The fame, the honor, the power that the chef feel, and it turns it into a victim. It's really turning him into a bitter victim, but a little more on that later. And let's talk about the mess. This is when things really took a dark turn. And you're like, whoa, what kind of movie am I watching? So this is a clip from the movie. Check this out. Sous chef Jeremy Loudon. 
Jeremy created the next dish. It's called The Mess. Originally from Sparks, Nevada, Jeremy studied at the Culinary Institute in Hyde Park. Jeremy's goal, as he wrote in a heartfelt letter, was to work for me here at Hawthorne. Isn't that right, Jeremy? Yes, Chef. Jeremy is talented. He's good. He's very good. But he's not great. He'll never be great. He desperately wants my prestige, my job, my talent. He aspires to greatness, but he'll never achieve it. Correct, Jeremy? Yes, Chef. Like me, at his age, Jeremy has forsaken everything to achieve his goals. Like mine, his life is, is pressure. Pressure to put out the best food in the world. And even when all goes right and the food is perfect and the customers are happy and the critics are too, there is no way to avoid the mess. The mess you make of your life, of your body, of your sanity by giving everything you have to pleasing people you will never know. Jeremy, do you like this life, this life that you dreamed about? No, Chef. Mm -hmm. And do you want my life? Not my position and my talent, my life. And that kind of touched on what I talked about is how this this biting this rat race right of trying to fulfill happiness that's the good life that's what we all strive for and if you pursue this it's not going to end good again like i talked about this touched on with some of my friends that said um that this movie like hit really close to home obviously again not taking this extreme you know but we find out in the movie that there's this whole plan for almost like a mass suicide with him and his cult followers because it really is a cult it it literally it's like almost like um charles manson if he went to a culinary school almost you know or jim jones going to culinary school that's pretty much what it is uh this cult following and he's going to kill everybody everyone that he blames as having fought because again every almost all the characters touch on his personality the elite couple they he, he makes a lot of money he's a celebrity chef but it's just monotonous he just goes day to day and it's things like don't matter they don't really see each other just like the two older couple we find out later that um the older couple the guy was having uh an affair uh with we find out later uh margo Anya Taylor-Joy's character. So that's something we find out a little bit later. But this thing that they're just wasting money just for the sake of wasting money. And then you also see the wash-up um, uh, actors played by John Luiziamo. And it's like the same thing. It's like he's this washed-up chef. He's this guy. And then, of course, the money part with, with the other guys, the investors, the three guys that are just all about the money. They're all about that. They don't really care about it. Re all these relationships are bad. If you see 
from the couple, the actress, the, the critics, all of that, they're all bad relationships. And then we find out later that the Nicholas Holt character, the foodie, uh, he actually, that's not his girlfriend. Anya Taylor-Joy is actually like a prostitute that he paid because he had to have a plus one. So we brought her into this island and come to find out he knew, he knew there was just going to be this mass killing, this mass killing suicide. And he still chose because that's how obsessed he is. He wants to be part of that exclusive club so bad that he's willing to go along with it. And he brings an innocent victim to die. And it's so horrible. And even Chef sees that and chef Z julian notices that about anya taylor joy that something's different and he notices that so here's a little clip from that you shouldn't be in here i'd like to know specifically what it was about the last course that you did not enjoy you've barely eaten the food why i need to know why don't you eat why do you care i take my work very seriously and you're not eating and that wounds me. I guess I'm just not very hungry. I told you who I am. I'm Julian Slowick, and I'm the chef here. Now, who are you? I'll ask again. Who are you. I'm Margot Mills. So where are you from, Margot? I'm from Grand Island, Nebraska. Now, does that make you feel better? You want the address for my mom's trailer park, you asshole? No, it's not who you want me to think you are. Who are you? I am Margot. You shouldn't be here tonight. And this, of course, touch on this whole idea of worshiping and having a God. And if you get rid of God, you're going to put something in its place, money, fame, sex, whatever it is, you're going to worship that chef is worshiping the opinions of others. He says it throughout the movie. He's worshiping their approval. He's worshiping them to be satisfied and they'll never be. But the thing about it is, is he makes himself a victim he focuses, instead of having gratitude, as he should, say, hey, you know what? I'm a one of the best chefs in the world. I accomplished a lot. I make the best food. People pay high end for this. I'm somebody. I'm making money. I'm well-established. I don't have to worry about money or, any, or anything like that. Instead of being um, satisfied and having gratitude for that, what he does, he focuses in our minds what we can do is we can focus on the bad stuff or we can focus on the good. And our minds like automatically are negative. That's the way we're built. Our minds, our brains tend towards to look at the negative. Most of our thoughts are negative, but we can choose what we focus on. Choose what you focus your mind on. Choose to shift your perspective. And if Chef Julian would have shifted his perspective and looked at what he has, instead of looking at the bad, well then, yeah, you're going to make your life miserable because we're never going to be satisfied. Our mind is swimming in all these negative thoughts. So we have to make the conscious effort, the conscious effort to focus on the good things, right? Because worship the right things. Otherwise, 
we're never going to stand. Money's never going to be enough. Fame's never going to be enough. Praise is never going to be enough. Sexual pleasure is never going to be enough. And I think he takes this to the extreme and he worshiped the wrong God, the God of food. And there's also gluttony in this too. And we'll, we'll speak on that a little bit later, but he worships the wrong thing and he pays for it. And almost like the Cain and Abel story, instead of changing things or just chucking along and changing his perspective, having a positive perspective on his life, focusing on others, he's turned inwards. He's too much inside of his own head. He's too much inside of his own heart. He is an egotistical person. His ego is too big that he doesn't see everyone else around him. He doesn't see the people he's bringing pleasure to. He doesn't see anything else but himself. And so he has this like, he just self-loathing from his egotistical nature, his self-centeredness. And that self-centeredness is a recipe for disaster, his pride, all this stuff. Isaiah chapter 2, 12, the Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. Humility would have done him a long way, but instead he chooses his ego. He chooses his self-centeredness, and he makes himself the star of the world. And anything bad that happens to him, he blames the critic, the elite, the 1%, the exclusivity, foodies, the movie stars, the financial investors that invest in restaurants, the business part of the food industry, which, again, I'm not saying it's all good and everything. There's bad stuff about that. But he turns inward. He's self-centered. And in that, he decides to do this suicide murder to everyone. And he sees that Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Margot, is a little bit different. And so now they all know they're going to die. So the, the whole movie is about how them trying to explain how, how, what, what are they going to do? How are they going to try to escape? They try to break the door. Uh, the chef kills one of the, the top investors, the angel, I think angel investor, he ends up drowning him. People are getting stabbed. Fingers are getting chopped off. There's all these different things. They, they have almost a little, um, what's the movie almost like the, um, the hunt or what is it called? where he kind of lets people go off in the woods. Uh, the most dangerous game. Yeah, there's a little the most dangerous game uh, seat uh, kind of scene in the movie. It's called Man's Folly, and they all run off. So it's really, really pretty cool. But um, you have to realize that they're all going to die. And he gives her, Margot, a choice. He's like, you either be with us or you be with them. And one of the most scenes where you have um, the guy play, again, he just plays a very good jerk. Nicholas Holt in the scene where he just embarrasses him and it's really good. Tyler, now cook. What? Cook. You're a cook. Oh, I don't so know if I can cook. Here. Cook. Now? Cook. I don't Cook. Go on now. What do you need? We have everything. Please don't rise be to observe the demonstration. Please rise to observe uh, everyone, the demonstration. Please come around, please. Tyler is going to demonstrate his culinary expertise. Please rise to observe everyone, the demonstration. Everyone, please come around, come closer. What do you need? Oh, leeks. Get to cook some leeks. Leeks. This is your station here. What else? <laughs> um, shit. Would you like some shit? No, uh, shallots. Shallots for the great foodie, the phenomenal Mr. Food himself. Everyone gather around. We must learn from Tyler. This is a, a new uh, a new dicing method of which we have been woefully ignorant. What next? B uh, butter. 
Butter, butter, leeks and shallots sautéed in butter. I bear witness to a revolution in cuisine. Do you like uh, protein? Uh, what, lamb. Lamb. Done, chef. You think it's done? You sure? Mm -hmm. you wanna, maybe you want to jam it into the paco chip. No. You are why the mystery has been drained from all art. You see that now, don't you? Sorry, chef. Come here, son. And he goes in and he hangs himself because it's a shame so much. He analyzes so much, almost like a basketball analyst or any other analyst, movie analyst, analysis, <laughs> what I'm doing, you know. But the, the thing is that I do it out of out of passion, out of because I love movies, because I love to do this. I, I, I love things like this. But we see that if we overanalyze it and we don't even know how to do it ourselves. Right. And he's so broken by shame at his inadequacies that it, it leaves him to hang himself. It's really sad. You know, it's, it's really crazy, but this is the movie that keeps progressing. And finally she, it's going to come to an end when Anya Taylor joy confronts the chef. She confronts him and says she doesn't like his food. I think it was a really good scene. Check this out. I don't like your food. What did you say? I said, I don't like your food, and I would like to send it back. I'm sorry to hear that. What about my food is not to your liking? For starters, you've taken the joy out of eating. Every dish you've served tonight has been some intellectual exercise rather than something you want to sit and enjoy. When I eat your food, it tastes like it was made with no love. Oh, this is ridiculous. We always cook with love, don't we? Yes, chef! Everyone knows love is the most important ingredient. Then you're kidding yourself. Come on, chef. I thought tonight was a night of hard home truths. This is one of them you cook with obsession, not love. Even your hot dishes are cold. You're a chef. Your single purpose on this earth is to serve people food that they might actually like, and you have failed. You failed, and you bored me. And the worst part is, I'm still fucking hungry. You're, you're still hungry? Yes, I am. How hungry? Starved. What are you hungry for? What do you have? Everything. You know what I'd really like? Tell me. A cheeseburger. Yeah, we can do a cheeseburger. 
a real cheeseburger. Not some fancy deconstructed apple, but a real cheeseburger. Well, I'll make you a very good, very traditional cheeseburger. I don't think you can. I'll make you feel as if you're eating the first cheeseburger you ever ate. The cheap one your parents could barely afford. Show me. How do you like it? Medium. American cheese. American cheese is the best cheese for a cheeseburger because it melts without splitting. How much will that set me back? $9.95. That come with fries? Niels? Yes, chef. Is the fryer still on? Yes, chef. Crinkle cut or julienne? Man, and that was a good cheeseburger. I, again, I love the cinematography of the shots going from yeah, um, a medium close-up and then going back to a close-up, extreme close-up. Oh, man, the salt, the pepper cracking, the cheese melting, the onions, the juicy burger, the way he puts it together. Oh, man, that was just so good. He just slightly squeezes it down so juicy with the with the fries. That made me so hungry for a cheeseburger and matter of fact i want a cheeseburger like right now a royale with cheese if i may but man that was so delicious um she gets the burger but she she explains it. it's like the passion is gone earlier in the scene she sees in his room he sees a picture that he used to be like a hamburger cook flipping burgers and he had joy in his face back when he was a young youngster but now it's all gone and again i think it's why we talked about how he made himself the center of his universe, not even caring for other people. And that's the antidote, um, the virtuous life, right? Uh, virtue activities with good friends in community. That's the ticket with the eternal father in mind at the as the end, happiness as the end, not anything a fake substitute to get you there. But man, that burger was so delicious. That was good. Again, I love cooking barbecue. Um, it's a joy to me when I can come up with new ingredients, new recipes, um, barbecue chicken, uh, making pork ribs, making hamburgers, uh, shish kebab, making um, jalapeno poppers. I'm in Texas. I'm from Texas, so we're big on barbecue. Brisket, doing that. I've had fun making a few briskets. I'm really love, really getting it down pretty good, smoking it. Barbecue chicken's a big thing down here. All of that. Uh, steaks, of course, fajitas. All of that, I really enjoy when people enjoy the food that I'm making. And I'll never get this pretentious like like him. But I again, I, I'm a big food guy. And I, I talked about how this is a critique of the film industry, of course, right? Because the, the food, we see that, right? I mean, plain and simple, you you see that. It's, it's set in the food and the restaurant, all that stuff. We get that. But also the film industry is spectacle. Spectacle is a big thing in this movie is how... And I see it like in the film industries, like too many. Um, hey, here's another one. Ready? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. And if you have all these people messing up, you have the um, studios meddling with the art form, meddling with the directors. We've seen directors cuts. We've seen spectacle. We've seen people lose their love, their passion and just want the dollar. Right. How much money, you know, this is going to make a billion dollars or not. The art form, the indie movies, the original movies that aren't IPs, they're not like re they're not sequels or from already existing pre-existing IPs. 
we see that love being lost and this movie touches on that i believe and like once she gets the food she does an excellent job of of asking for to go and he ultimately lets her go and the last dish is s'mores and they're all burnt alive and everyone else dies the whole inn the whole place goes on fire as she's escaping from the boat there's an excellent excellent scene with the boat captain where you think they're going to make it out is not but again this has been heavy spoilers but if you guys have seen this movie or watch it again, maybe if you're not into it, I would highly recommend uh, this movie for sure. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, this movie, I'll probably give it, um, I give this movie an 8.5. This was a really good movie, maybe even a 9. Um, actually, you know what? Right on the spot, I'm going to change my answer. Um, I would say this movie, no, yes, this movie is an 8.5. Excellent, excellent movie. I highly recommend it. There's a lot of meaning, a lot of metaphor. Uh, again, it touches on so much stuff. And it also touches on gluttony too, but not the kind that you think of. The last thing we'll end on is this. Now, um, gluttony, people think, okay, eating a lot. And yeah, that's one of them, but there's different aspects to gluttony as one of the deadliest sins. And we need the virtue of temperance to combat that. But food is a means right? It's not the end. We can't worship it, but we are, we're supposed to fast, but we're also supposed to feast. If you eat strictly for nutritional value, you're still not doing it right because food is also social. We enjoy food best when it's in the, in company of other people that we enjoy their company. So breaking bread is a big thing. Jesus did that. It's a huge thing. We're social animals. And when you break bread with somebody, when you eat, right, that is really good. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying food um, that's good and food that that's, that's a well-prepared. But when it's taken to excess, when the pleasure is taken to excess in food, that's when it becomes disordered. There's a, a gluttony that's not just filling your bellies up, but there's a gluttony that is too, uh, you're too picky or too, too, uh, you're too picky in your food. For example, let's say your friend's cooking a meal and a barbecue or something. And you're like, Hey, come over. And you're like, nah, you know what I had is, uh, what are you making? You know, you gonna make ribs, brisket. No, nah, I'm going to make hot dogs. Oh, and then you're like, actually, I don't want to go now. I don't I don't like hot dogs. I don't eat hot dogs. I want a steak. I want this. I want brisket. I don't want hot dogs. That is a form of gluttony because you're too, being too uh too picky with the food. Um, so you're you're denying community, you're denying a good night out with friends just because you don't want hot dogs. Or if maybe somebody made hamburgers and you're like, uh, the hamburgers aren't really that good. I, I don't really want it. I'm gonna bring my own, you know expensive Kobe steak meat and I'm going to have to cook it. That would be weird. If you go over to somebody's house, unless they ask you to, if you go in with your own food, because you have the highest price, the best beef and you don't want his. Now that's, that's again, gluttony It's taken to excess and you're joining it too much or you're being too picky. Those are the two kind of gluttonies that we don't really talk about. It's just the, the over feasting, but yeah, this movie also definitely talks on that. So once again, I hope you guys enjoy this. Again, Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find us, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Share us around with your friends. Subscribe, please. I really would appreciate that. I've been your co-host, Roger. Thank you for tuning in on Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. God bless and God love you.